0: Welcome to the Seed That Group podcast, a place where we talk about how to heal while you hustle. And hustle while you heal, because it's all about survival. Together, we've been working in the system for over 30 years, and this is where we talk about how we make it all work and how you can, too. We're your hosts, Ande Peña. And Maika Calhoun.
1: Come on, Ande, let's do this. All right, let's go. We should start by just welcoming people who are tuning in and listening, mm-hmm. and I think we should talk a little bit about the purpose and the history on why we feel like we are the team to bring you um, this information, this content.
0: Sounds good. Okay. So the reason that I originally wanted to do a podcast was because in school I was learning all of this information that I felt And in life was getting messages of like, no, that's not real or no, that's not valid. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to be able to share what I was learning and apply it to what's actually happening in people's lives to validate their experiences. Because I think one of the, there's a quote um, by Bell Hooks that talks about invalidating people by De- dehumanizing people by invalidating their experiences, mm-hmm. and so for me, it's important to validate people's experiences in order to to help them to be like, "Oh, this is real. Mm-hmm. This this is legit. My pain is legit. My trauma is legit. All those things that we tend to tell people, um, either man up or pull yourself up by your bootstraps, or even the concept of you're strong enough." you're going to survive this and it's going to make you stronger Mm -hmm. um there's still this part though when we say that that takes away from the real part that i'm in pain right i'm still in pain Mm -hmm. so that was what i originally wanted to do with a podcast Mm -hmm. and then i thought about you yes
1: and I'm glad that you thought about me, um, because because I that have would be a, a little bit boring, <laughs> <laughs> just a little bit. I I have a a lot of I agree with 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 you know what you're what you're saying, and I you've often brought back you know your your educational experiences and things that you guys talked that you've talked about in school and it does, I I agree with the fact that a lot of those, those sayings, um, oh, get over it. Oh, you'll be better. You know, give it time. You'll be better. It doesn't really show people how to heal. And it doesn't really talk about how to get better. It's just like, oh yeah, just, it'll get better. Don't worry about it. And that is not enough. People need something more substantial, um, in order to heal, in order to make their way through this process. And I feel like with both of our histories being lived and being experienced that we have actual tools. We we actually have a toolkit that we can help people um, just based off of listening for <laughs> 30 minutes or so that we can help people get past some things and, and how to deal with things instead of just uh, placating them and telling them, uh, you know, to get over it. Right. Move on. Move on. So I think we should probably just go into like, um, who we are and why we came here. I think if, um, if, uh, if you want to go ahead and
0: start on day, that'd be cool. Okay. So I, I was born in, no, I'm just kidding. (laughs) I'm not gonna do that to you guys. Um, I think that for me, I, on the surface, probably people wouldn't think that, you know, I've been through anything or that I, and I'm in a good place in life. So that's what you see when you meet me. Um, and I think there's a lot of things that occurred in my life that I didn't even recognize impacted who I am and the choices that I make Mm -hmm. and all of those things. So through the work that we've done through the social work that we've done, it's, it's helped me to understand like, Oh, that's why I do that thing. That's Mm -hmm. why I relate to people this way. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I think that it's the work has helped me to look at my own life and figure out where things have been fractured, and where trauma has occurred, and um, then also marrying into a family that has its own, you know, um, trauma history, and which is different than my own, um, being able to relate to the experiences um, that, that I'm, seeing through my marriage and through, through his family. Um, and then having our children, um, one of first baby, you know, had this whole super organic pregnancy and yoga and all that stuff. And then, you know, two, um, I'm seven months pregnant and I go into labor and immediately it's medical intervention Mm -hmm. in order to keep him alive. And here I'd had this super, you know, wholesome organic pregnancy. The opposite of what I wanted was medical treatment, drugs pumped into me to keep him alive. But that was what I needed to do. Mm -hmm. And I did it. And, um, you know, that experience, um, and then my daughter was next and, um, you know, all the kids have their own things and that's their own story to tell, which I'm not going to put on here. Um, the, but the third one is unique in the sense that she came to us through a family member, which we love Mm -hmm. and actually had, um, temporary custody of when she was a baby when she was younger. Um, and now she has a baby and that baby now is in our family and we've adopted her. And so, working alongside of you Mm -hmm. and coming into the office and being frustrated with something that she did Mm -hmm. and you sitting across from me, you know, (laughs) tapping your pen to tell me like, well, she's doing it because of this (laughs) helped me Mm -hmm. to see her experience through your eyes. And so I like that was another level of our friendship Mm -hmm. where you were able to help me walk through that and have patience in a way that I didn't have. Even it's a trip when you think about, you learn things, you apply them in your work, but when it happens in your own family, it's a different totally game.
1: Different. Mm-hmm. You
0: can't, you can't do it the same way. So mm-hmm. I needed you in that moment to help me to, to figure out how to make that work. Mm-hmm. So I appreciated that.
1: No, that's good. That's good. I think, I mean, I just speaking for me, I, um, no, I, and, and I, and I think I respect, and I think that the, a place that we have connected, um, with our friendship and with the work that we do is has kind of been born and bred through our own personal trauma through um, I know the the first time that I uh, really interacted with you and I guess I could say fell in love <laughs> with, with you <laughs> was when I went through something very traumatic with my own children. Um, I've always respected the fact that my opinion when it came to my foster care experience mattered and I feel like you were um, a person. There's been a few key people in my life who have shown me that I matter and that my experiences have mattered. Um, and for me to be able to help you through my experiences, whether it been positive or negative, was very much um, was very much a healing moment for me. To, for me to it, it gave me a, a, a better sense of, of who I am and, and um, helped me to kind of value these these experiences that before I would maybe act as if they didn't happen just because I, I didn't want to show the world or show people, you know, who, who I, who I was at that time. So you've helped me open up and, um, and be able to, I'm sorry, I'm losing my words, being able to kind of embrace that, that foster kid and and, and that kid that was kind of looked past and ignored a lot. So mm-hmm. for that, I, I want to say thank you. I think that the, Um, A part of the history on why I got into the work and and we're here, sitting here now, is because, um, you know, kind of like you mentioned with your husband's family, it's a lot of like historical trauma. It's a lot of cycles um, that were in my family, in my mother and my father's family, where I was kind of moved around, you know, bounced around from place to place until... Um, I finally said fuck that and became my own person and uh, got in a place where I felt like I'm I'm not gonna be who they say that mm-hmm. I should be. I'm gonna be my own person. Um, and with that, I I was a rebellious ass teenager. Was? <laughs> what was is still <laughs> I'm still that angry twelve year old. Um, I became a, a mother really young, um, and I and I knew that it was gonna be a tough road for me. So I was able to. Uh, uh, focus on what really mattered, what really mattered to me, what really mattered to me as a parent, what really mattered to me um, in raising my children. And that has always been to be authentic, to be organic, to be who I really am. Um, Whether that was, whether I was in a good space or or a negative space, I I had to work through it and be who I was. And I think that um, I've been blessed with Different experiences, whether it be juvenile hall, whether it been blessed with juvenile
0: hall, (laughs) blessed with juvenile hall, yeah, I said it. Yeah, we're gonna
1: talk about that. We'll talk about it. But being blessed with all these different experiences, these different foster homes, being around all these different people, in most instances, did not look anything like me. So I had to pull from you know each and every person to figure out what they had that would benefit me and benefit my children and how I can move forward. In a sense of that a bit of that, um, which I realized now later was a sense of manipulation, yeah. <laughs> was survival. A, it was, but it was survival. And it, it takes me back to, to how I heal and how I heal is, is, uh, acknowledging, you know, the, the, the wrongs and acknowledging the good and being present and saying like, I needed that from, from that person at that time. So I took it cause I needed to survive, um, and not beat myself up about that. So I think that this is just a, a platform for us to have an honest and open conversation, whether it be you know good or bad, whether it be happy or sad, just to really put it out there um, and be as transparent as we can with our with our audience, so that people know um, that it's okay to 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 speak up and it's okay to to talk about who you are and you don't have to feel. Um, narcissistic <laughs> when you do so. So I'm hoping that you know that people can get resources from us, that that women can gain strength from us, that that the the young kids you know who are who are coming up can kind of hear our experiences and, and acknowledge that they're not alone. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I just I'm I'm happy to be here, and I and I hope this all goes well.
0: I think what's interesting is as I was listening to you talk is how we both have learned because of our childhood, how to navigate relationships Mm -hmm. and how we parlayed that into a career in this field. Mm -hmm. And I think, um, for me and I'm, I'm hesitant because I love my family and I don't want to share beyond what they're comfortable with. Mm -hmm. And it's also a part of who I am Mm -hmm. Uh, growing up in a family where there was substance abuse Mm -hmm. and recognizing... The, the emotions that were in the room and how I needed to navigate around those emotions to make sure that people were safe and right. that I was safe and that things were going to be okay. Right. Um, and I think when you were talking about being, you know, the blessing of being in different foster homes um, and knowing that the skill that that taught, uh, taught you and in, in my situation with, with my family um, was how to pick up on cues. And I think that, a lot of the clients that we work with. That's one of the things that we talk about is um, looking at the things that we've always been taught are deficits and and recognizing the positive that comes out of that and the skill that comes out of that. When we work with folks that come out of incarceration, we're like, dude, you've lasted this long Mm -hmm. based on your skill of Mm -hmm. being able to navigate these relationships. In jail, out of jail, yep. survive on the streets, survive in these different settings, mm-hmm. and um, the skills that that they have. And so, I think for me, one of the things when I was um, doing my work around therapy. Uh, narrative therapy called me. That's the one that I really... There's a few I like, but narrative therapy was one because it's kind of like you're given this label, Mm -hmm. you walk around with that label and that's who you are. Mm -hmm. And there is an opportunity to choose what the label is that you're going to maintain. You talked about... I decided I wasn't going to be who they said I was supposed to be. And that's a lot of why I wanted to have this space mm-hmm. because I think we're so often ingrained, it's ingrained in our mind that this is who we're supposed to be and this is what we're supposed to do mm-hmm. and, and this is the role that you play in society mm-hmm. and that that's how other people look at you. And it's like, how do you take that label off mm-hmm. and how do you put another label on? Mm-hmm. Because when you look back in everybody's childhood, they all had a gift. Everybody mm-hmm. had a gift in their childhood. Everybody was known in their community as the kid who ran the fastest or the kid who, who knew how to make beats or the kid Mm -hmm. that knew how to pass the test in that class that nobody else could pass or whatever. Mm -hmm. We all have that. And then life happens. And, you know, we have that goal of what we want to do. We have the skills we know we have, but life happens. And those things get buried by life but they're still there. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I think that's something that's beautiful that you do. And that, that I do when we work with people is that we, we remind them of that. Right. And then we talk about, it's not your fault that you're not connected to that anymore. Mm-hmm. That's the world. That's what's happening. And through institutionalized racism and, in, and institutionalized systems, um, it exacerbates that situation. It makes it, it, it it reinforces all of that. And so how do we break that apart Mm -hmm. to tap back into what we're good at, Mm -hmm. what our strengths are and who we truly are Mm -hmm. so that we can like move forward in life. Mm -hmm. So, and I, and I just, yeah, yeah, I, I
1: think that that's, I've learned by working in 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 this field and by working with colleagues of of the same mindset that that's so important. When I, I when I think about as you as you talk, I think about me as a as a kid, and I'm trying to think of what I was known for. I was I was known for a lot of things, but I feel like one of the things I was known for was being very very resilient. I mm-hmm. remember talking to social workers and therapists and coming to them with my problems, but I already had the problem figured out. And I remember doing that at about seven years old, mm-hmm. like having a, I remember a social worker visiting me in a, a group. It was a, like an assessment center, uh-huh. um, a, a place where the kids are basically housed until they're placed with, in a foster home mm-hmm. or with family. And I remember before my, <laughs> this memory is coming to me as I speak. It's so funny. But I remember like a social worker coming to me and before she could even get her files and everything out of her bag. I had already presented her with what my plan was. Like, here, this is what I'm going to do. I want to go here. And then I can, I I even went as far as to who would transport me to each of these locations. And I was seven. I was seven years old. And I, I was able to, make a plan for myself and I, and coming in, going back into social work and coming into case management things like that is that's where my brain has always been. And that's why I feel lot a lot of healing through it because I'm a planner and I, I like to help people make plans and backup plans. And Mm -hmm. a lot of people, if you just listen, if you let them talk, Um, which uh, in this society, a lot of people aren't able. That's why this platform is so brilliant because in society, people are talking, but they're not being heard. So Mm -hmm. if you let people talk and you actually sit with them and hear them, they'll tell you who they were and they'll tell you what their plan is. Um, And as a social worker and and, in this work, you're just helping them kind of Pull that plan, opposed to giving them your plan right. and telling them what they need to do. Um, and I think that people thrive from that. We have ups and downs. Nobody's you know perfect, um, and all plans don't work out. Mm-hmm. But I think that the beauty of it all is, is to really tap back into what are you, who are you and what were you good at before life took a shit (laughs) on you, you know, before, you know, before all these entities have come into your life. So that's just, that's just a thought I had as you were speaking.
0: Yeah. And I think both of us really honor the fact that we are not saviors. We are not coming in Mm -hmm. here with the answers and we are not the experts. We are people who have been through our own experience, both lived and professional and uh, people are their own best experts. Like yes. you knew at seven years mm-hmm. old, what your plan was yep. um, and whether or not people listened to you when you were seven years old, mm-hmm. your plan was probably pretty right on. Right. <laughs> and yeah. so I think that, that that's another thing I just want to mention is that that's not what we're trying to do here is mm-hmm. say like, we have all the answers. Cause Absolutely that's definitely not, not yeah. the case. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, uh, yeah mm-hmm. Many years of knowing that's not the case. <laughs> I do not have all the answers. Um, right. So I think that piece and the goal then is that we get to bring people on into Mm -hmm. this conversation and we get to just um, hear from them what their experiences are. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that we wanted to do is we wanted to ask everybody the same set of questions. So we'll have interviews and we will have people answer the same questions at the end of the interview. And so they're just quick answers. One of the things that we've done at work Mm -hmm. is we have a question of the day at the beginning of every meeting and people complain about it. But then when you (laughs) don't have question of the day, people complain that it's not there. So... (laughs) This is essentially like question of the day, but there's five of them. And so every person who comes on to interview is going to answer the same five questions at the end. So right now, as Mm -hmm. we wrap up, because we just wanted to do an intro here, um, I'm going to ask you the five questions and then you can ask me the five questions and that way you can get a feel for what other people are going to be answering at the end of their interviews. Mm -hmm. All right. So uh, the first question is, what were you known for being the best at when you were a kid? Oh lies 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 <laughs> I, w- I was known for telling
1: a colorful story as a kid um and either to get me out of trouble or to get me what I wanted um i was I was raised with a very eclectic group of people around me and um, <laughs> they were all you know in survival mode and mm-hmm. I, I I was known for telling extravagant stories. <laughs> Good storyteller good storyteller I've always been a good storyteller good imagination, good imagination. resourceful yep resilient <laughs> so i was i did whatever I, it, it took all right mm-hmm. um what was your first hustle? cupcakes i was just <laughs> i just was telling a friend of mine I used to go to um um a Hispanic. Uh, I lived in the Mission District in San Francisco. What's up, SF? I um, used to go to a, a, a Mexican bakery in, uh, in the Mission, and I would Panaderia. buy. <laughs> yes, and I would buy cupcakes. I would buy four cupcakes for two dollars, and I was selling for a dollar at school. And I was probably in the fourth grade, and I would, I, I would, they would always expect me to have cupcakes. So that was my first hustle. I was selling cupcakes. <laughs> Very
0: cool. All right. Who is uh, the most favorite person you've ever met? Um, today I would say
1: you are, you're, you're probably the favorite person I've ever met because it, it you are that person, good Jeez. or bad, who's gonna, <laughs> good or bad. Who's going to give me, you know, give me what I need in such a loving and supportive way that I don't have to be afraid to be authentic with you. I, I, I can say the silly shit. I can say the, you know, the, the stuff that I, I can ask you anything and I can talk to you about anything. And I know that you're going to give me what's in your heart and not just what's in your, on your mind. And I appreciate that. Aww. You're my fave.
0: And <laughs> even pair to say that. <laughs> okay. Um. If you could
1: spend the day with anyone, who would it be? It would be my grandmother who passed away. Um, Ida Marie. I would. I would love to spend a minute, a moment, a second with her. Uh, a whole entire day. Um. That that would be my. That would be amazing. Did she raise you? Yes, she raised me. A, lo- yes.
0: a large part of a your large childhood. part
1: of my childhood. She was yeah. very a very formidable formidable person in my childhood.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yep. All right. Uh, who's your favorite artist right now? Uh, my
1: favorite art- artist right now would have to be Kevin Gates. Um, I'm I love the hardcore hip hop. I love his his swag. You know, sometimes he talks about something. Sometimes he ain't talking about nothing. But I like to hear him talk. <laughs> I like to hear him talk. <laughs> My kids are probably dying in embarrassment right now. But what's up, Kevin Gates? <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right. Your turn. Your turn. <laughs> okay. Um, so Andre, what were you known for being the best at when you were a kid?
0: Organizing things. Yes.
1: I can see, <laughs> I can see that. I can see
0: that. And that? Mm. I was the best bartendress <laughs> at like six years old. <laughs> That's how my family kept me busy during family gatherings was they had me bartend. So I knew how, like what kind of glass went to, what kind of drink and how you serve the drinks and that kind of stuff. I set myself up with a little calculator and a little pad of paper and I had a station. I would run over the station. (laughs) (laughs) Nobody ever paid me though. So at some point I went on strike, Uh, but um, I would say those are the two things.
1: So what would be your, what, what was your first hustle then?
0: My first hustle was um, selling CD stands at the Pulga. So the okay. Pulga is the flea market. And the CD stands were, I don't know if you guys remember, um, in the 90s, 80s, or I guess the 90s, they had those triangle metal tall yes, stands. Yes, we had one. Uh-huh. And you would like slide the CD, <laughs> yeah. CDs in. So we sold those at the flea market. Nice. Um,
1: who's the most favorite person you've ever met?
0: Um, I would have to say my husband cause we've been together 20 years this Oof. year and Congratulations. yeah. Um, and I think just having, um, that person who supports you, I'm, I think part of my trauma response is mm-hmm. to stay busy, mm-hmm. which means that I'm always doing something, something yeah. else, um, mm-hmm. As you know, I'm yes. <laughs> I work full time, yep. three kids. I'm mm-hmm. uh, doing finishing my doctorate program, and now I'm starting a podcast before right. the before I finish the doctorate program. And he right now is managing the dog and the kids, mm-hmm. so that we can be here doing this. Um, and so, just having that is is amazing. Nice. Um,
1: <laughs> if you could spend a day with a person, if you could spend the day with anyone, who would
0: it be? Um, I think it would be similar to you. My great grandma who has also passed and was the first person in our family who adopted Mm -hmm. and, um, kind of set the tone Mm -hmm. for, you know, that that's all right. That's something that's acceptable. She actually had foster kids and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. And, um, she was definitely a partier and Mm -hmm. was known for that in her neighborhood she was known for having an extra set of um like at the dinner table an Mm -hmm. extra set setting for somebody Mm -hmm. and my grandma love her to death is a little (laughs) bit bougie and Uh. she said that I used to hate it because she would go down and find somebody who didn't have Mm -hmm. a place to eat and would bring them up to their apartment in Mm -hmm. Oakland Mm -hmm. and um would have them sit down and eat and my grandma who like I said was um, not a fan of that Mm -hmm. process because it meant folks in her home that she wasn't she didn't want there Mm -hmm. so anyways I would say her just to see like what her heart was like I was 12 when she passed so
1: so who's your favorite artist right now
0: When I asked you that question, I was like, dude, I don't know what I'm going to say when it comes to me. Um, My favorite artist right now, I don't have anybody. I'm listening to podcasts Mm -hmm. right now because I'm trying to figure out what we're doing. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So there's like been nothing on my radio except for podcasts. So my favorite podcast I'll shout out right Mm -hmm. now is um, My Favorite Murder. (laughs)
1: okay i'm gonna listen to it i I, i'll give it i'll give it a go
0: all right yeah so -hmm. that's my favorite um artists right now i guess two women Mm -hmm. made it i love that awesome okay so that's it for today Mm -hmm. we hope that you're gonna come back and listen again if we didn't scare you off (laughs) Mm -hmm. all right you guys I think that's it. Thank you. Goodbye. We got to find an outro thing to do. I thought, oh yeah, like, yeah. The podcast I listen to goes, bye. <laughs> I don't want to
1: do
0: that shit. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> okay, we'll so figure funny. it out. Okay. <laughs> we'll figure it out. All right, bye guys.
1: We should do like some walking away. <laughs>